Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. Now, last week in my intro, I told you about this free family summit called Established and Thriving. And I had no idea when my friend Nat, who's putting on the summit, asked me to be part of it, that Amber, who is today's guest, is also part of the summit. So I thought that was pretty cool to share. You can sign up uh, through the link uh, that I'm going to have in the show notes. Um, You can also sign up through the link. I've got one in my Instagram. Um, Or you can go to, I believe it is natandgav.com slash summit to sign up. And that starts February 7th. Free Family Summit. You can email each day with a different speaker, a different theme and topic. And I just hope that it encourages you. Brennan and I are going to talk a little bit about finances and our financial journey. And I'm guessing Amber is going to talk about food because that is what I talked to her about today on Ready to Thrive. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Um, I had such a great time chatting with Amber and I'm sure you will enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm sitting here with Amber Leah. She is a certified health coach. She's written and co-authored several books, including Marriage Triggers and the parenting book Triggers that she co-authored with our former guest from the show, Wendy Speak. Her and her husband run the faith-friendly production company, Storehouse Media Group, and they raise their four boys together in Southern California. And I'm really excited to talk about her latest book called Food Triggers, Exchanging Unhealthy Patterns for God-Honoring Habits. So Amber, thank you for being with me on Ready to Thrive. Jacqueline, I'm totally excited to talk to you today. I've been looking forward to this conversation. So really, thank you for having me. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself and this journey. Where did your journey with everything you do is about triggers. So where did your journey with triggers begin? Well, originally I was a uh, angry mom, (laughs) a triggered angry mom. I live in Southern California. I've got four boys and I love and adore them, but I do affectionately call our house a testosterone home. And I recognized early on that in general, I had an idea of what my life would look like, whether it was, you know, as a mom, as a wife, whatever, and life happens, right? And it just wasn't what I expected it to be. And that created a lot of, you know, angst, turmoil, frustration, joy too. There were, you know, pleasant surprises along the way, but I realized I wasn't handling my life. I felt like life had a chokehold on me instead of me having a handle on my life. And I have learned now, back then I thought I was the only one who struggled with some of these things. I've learned since then that a lot of people feel like I did. And a lot of the time when I was you know, navigating some of these triggers in my parenting, I often felt helpless at first. Like, how do I overcome this practically? I love God. I'm reading my Bible, but I don't know what it looks like when my blood is boiling and the kids are yelling and they hit their 
brother for the 10th time and, you know, how do I handle this? And so God took me on a transformative journey where he just um, really poured into me. I began to study uh, different issues at the time. It started with anger and, and, you know, versus gentle parenting and methods and how to do that. I ended up starting a Facebook group uh, for moms who struggle with that topic and that issue and was shocked to see that there were thousands and thousands of women who felt like I did. And after a year or two kind of ministering in that group, um, my good friend Wendy Speak joined me in there. And within a short time frame, we put together this series about struggling with your anger triggers. And it just took off. And we wrote a book about that. And then I began to see that um, I wasn't just an angry mom. I also struggled in my marriage. And there was a lot of frustration there that I needed to deal with biblically. And so then I, you know, I never wanted to speak on that issue because I, I wanted to keep all of these things private. Nobody really wants to say, hey, I, I'm a, been an angry yeah. yelling mom, you know, or I have trouble in my marriage. But I, when you find freedom from some of these things, you don't want to keep it to yourself. You want to help other captives. And so that's really been my mission. And that's true with food triggers as well this new book, because in the midst of all of that emotion, God had really done a work in me to transform my heart, my mindset, my relationships with my kids and my husband. But I was still putting my own physical body last and my own self-care last and my own um, process for handling a lot of my emotions was still to turn to food. And that allowed me to gain a lot of weight over the course of a short period of time. About three years ago, I found myself the most I'd ever weighed. And I knew as I had done in my parenting and in my marriage, I had to address it or it would never change. If I kept doing the same thing, which for me was a lot of emotional mismanagement still, like I could have keep my cool with my kids and gentle parenting. But what I did is I would reward myself at the end of every difficult day or even wonderful day with a bowl of ice cream. And that was my pattern. And I was mindlessly eating and I started to build a sugar addiction and I found myself 85 pounds overweight. And I had been a recreational bodybuilder before I had kids. So I knew what to do. I just found it much harder to do it, you know, three, four kids later and with a, a more complicated life. And so I found a plan that was really simple and easy for me to follow. That was kind of the practical piece for me. But then I really got into, Lord, why does this matter? Because it's not just about the mirror. I want to have a vibrant life to the full life with my children. I want a healthy lifestyle. And I really want to honor you with my body because I felt a lot of guilt about the way I was handling this, you know, temple that God had given me and a lot of shame about that. And so I began to just work through each of these different food triggers, eventually becoming a certified independent health coach and helping thousands of people. And it's just been an amazing thing. God basically just tends to take all of my messes <laughs> and then really helps me turn it into a message. Um, and I hope it helps others. Oh, that's so good. Um, and there's so much that I could unpack there. First, I want to say, I think um, you were so brave to be vulnerable at the, if we go back to the very beginning where you just yeah. said like, Hey, I'm angry. <laughs> and yeah. I remember a friend of mine saying, um, marriage reveals how selfish you are and motherhood reveals how angry you are. That's good. And I just remember her saying to me, she, she had kids before I did. And she just kept saying to me, I'm so angry. Like mm -hmm. I'm so angry all the time. And I was like, 
Because I love before you have kids, you're so judgmental. You're like, what is wrong with you? Like, why, why are <laughs> so you so angry? Yes. And then you have these people and you're like, oh my gosh, I am so angry. Like I am. And so um, I love that it started off with this, um, a vulnerably being honest with God and yourself, sharing it with other people who are like, hey, I'm also in that same place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um And then when you said, when you find freedom, you don't keep it to yourself. And that is what I found because we actually do not realize just how bound we are in different areas of our life because we are so good at managing. We just become excellent managers in whatever it's, we're managing our finances, we're managing our food stuff, we're managing our relationships with others um and it's exhausting Mm -hmm. and you use the word um you know like feeling shame and my husband would say there's this he kind of calls it the pillow test which is when your head hits the pillow at night and what Mm -hmm. is the thing that's kind of maybe running through your head and so for you it might be um you know for a lot of people it's like well what did we what did I eat that oh I meant tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm not going to have that bowl of ice cream tomorrow. I'm not going to yell at my kid, right? Like it's those things that we, and that to me is the, um, shackles that to me is the place of feeling bound. And so when you, and for my husband, we've shared this on the show before it was, you know, struggling with pornography and other things. And, and it was getting to that place or lustful thoughts, um, getting to that place of freedom when you actually hit your head hits the pillow and you're like, huh, it's all free and clear. I guess I just get to go to bed and you sleep deeply. That's when you're like, oh my goodness, this feels amazing. I have to share this with other people. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So let, and, yeah. Keep, I was just going to say, and you know, one of the reasons I think a lot of us struggle with this is, you know, like you said, we're good at managing things, you know, women and men, parents, you know, we're really good at managing all the things, the household and the kids and our schedules and our life. And we think of it as selflessness, right? Like it's very typical for us to pour ourselves out for others, but selflessness is not the same thing as being self-punishing. And we don't realize that we're literally punishing ourselves by not taking care of ourselves, whether it's our, you know, when those anger triggers explode or like me, I got a little handle on that. But then in the evening I turned to food and I turned to that for, for comfort, thinking it was going to satisfy me, but really I was just punishing myself further. So it's this weird paradox. It's like, okay, I think this is going to serve me. I'm just going to mindlessly eat. I'm just going to enjoy this ice cream but I'm actually just being self-punishing and that is never going to be a solution for us in a positive way long-term. And so I just realized I had to make some of those changes. Yeah. Um, What would you say to the person listening right now who feels like, yeah, but I've tried everything. Like, I think that's part of the issue, especially when it comes to food that my experience talking to people is either they have felt like they're on, on the one hand, turning to that emotional eating, the comfort, the, um, reward, like all of those things, boredom, right? Like you, you do such a great job in your book talking about external triggers and internal triggers. 
But then there's also the friends of mine who feel like they're bound in a different way where every meal they're actually um, very stressed, worried about what am I putting in my, they're punishing themselves even before they've taken a bite. Um, Those people are feeling like they're so bound, but they're like, nothing has worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what would you say to those people? Well, it, it can be feel very defeating and you can feel very stuck. And that's how I felt when I faced this 85 pound, you know, excess three years ago, my, I'd had a happy surprise baby, my son Quaid in my forties. And I had just celebrated his second birthday and realized this is not baby weight. Like I can't claim that anymore. He's like two and three months old. And so I now have to make a change. And that was part of my discouragement is I felt like not only have I tried other things in the past that worked, but now that I'm a bit older, now that I'm busier, that doesn't really work for me. And I feel stuck. And there's nothing worse than hopelessness, right? It's like when we have a a malnourished body, it's one thing, but to have a malnourished soul is a whole other ballgame. And that hopelessness is very (laughs) difficult to overcome. So I want to encourage everybody that unless you've tried everything, um, there's still an opportunity for you to find the thing that's going to work for you. And the commitment to seeking what is going to work for you is a very worthwhile pursuit. Mm -hmm. And so the other thing I tell clients is, look, it doesn't matter what happened in the past, right? We forget the past and we press on Mm -hmm. moving forward. We throw off all the hindrances, which is often our own chatter in our heads. Like, oh, you've tried everything. Nothing's going to work for you. We have to be careful about our mindset. What are we believing? What are we telling ourselves? And to really have hope that you will find the right thing because the past doesn't matter. What matters is today. What matters is your future. And I do talk about, you know, in Food Triggers, a lot of practical things that I share and do with my clients. Like, you know, even just, I think people overcomplicate the process of getting healthy because it's it really doesn't, the process of getting healthy physically, it can be very simple. It's the harder work of our mindset and the, what we say to ourselves and even just the habits that we have that become the greatest obstacle. And that's why it's important to have a, a coach or a friend that you're getting healthy with or a community or a program that offers community. Those kinds of things are really going to help you not feel so isolated and keep you on track. So take the time to find the thing that's going to work for you. And don't quit. You know, when you look at a, a baby, I love babies. I, I'm hopeful that we're done with our family growing now that I've already had one happy surprise in my 40s. But I love babies. And what I love seeing babies do is learn to roll over and then learn to crawl and then learn to walk. I just watched a video the other day of my fourth son from a memory that had popped up of him taking his first steps. We got it on video. It was so cute. And you know what he did? He's like, he walked and then he fell. And then he walked and then he fell. And he did that for a long time. You know, for like a year, he'd be like walking and stumble and get his bearings. And yet he never quit. He never said, well, I messed up that time. I'm just never going to walk again. 
Like, no, the children, they keep going. It would be absurd for us to say, well, because I fell down over and over again, I'm just going to quit and I'm going to live a life in isolation in a chair and never move forward. And so, but we do that with our health, which is so critical to be able to do the kingdom work we want to do someday, to live life to the fullest. And if we're going to quit or feel defeated, that's, I think, the first foundational mindset change we have to make is to have hope to do not be discouraged. Don't grow weary in doing the good work of seeking how to get healthy. Find your tribe, find your people, find your program, but don't give up on yourself. So good. Um, I love what you said there because often what I love to talk about on here is um, having that healthy mind, renewing our mind, identifying what the lies are. And when we do not speak the lies out we don't get them out of our head either to just to god in prayer by ourselves um or to a safe person uh, that we trust they just run rampant in our head and we actually Mm -hmm. don't for me the aha moment came a number of years ago where i began to realize oh not everything not every thought i have is the truth it was like whoa so thoughts that were my own thoughts that were you know, maybe it's somebody said something to you when you were a kid and that thing has begun to grow. And so just being able to sit with God and be like, Hey, what is not true? What are the thoughts that I have that are not true? What are the, even these limiting thoughts or these, the thing that says I've tried everything. This is just who I am. My parents were this way. My relatives had this disease, my, whatever the things are, Um, that Mm -hmm. is not true. And so I love that you've said, you know, get with community, begin to speak out. You can speak those lies out just to get them out, to have somebody else speak the truth over you. And I've even encouraged women to say like, if you can meet with a girlfriend that you trust and say, Hey, we're going to meet. The sole purpose of us meeting is to talk about me because as we always want to have those like back and forth conversations. And I'm just going to tell that. you, <laughs> I'm going to tell yeah. you some things that have been going on in my head and I'm going to ask you to speak the truth back to me. And sometimes we so just good. have to be like, I'm getting these things out. Cause even when we speak them out, I remember this very poignant moment um, that I shared something with my husband and it was about um, some friendships. And I was like, and they don't even like me. And they, and he was like, has anybody said that? I'm like, uh, Nope. And so even just getting it out, you can hear how ridiculous it is. But when it's inside, that's where the enemy wants to keep things like locked in the dark and be able to grow those things. We get them out. We have people speak the truth over it. And then we begin now to speak the truth. And so all that you were saying and, and speaking though, that hope, um, I love, um, the, company that Amber works with and just all the focus on community and really wholehearted health and living because um, as Amber was already sharing, it really is, you know, food is one part of it, but it is becoming really healthy in our head and our heart. Mm -hmm. That is going to have a ripple effect in every other aspect. There's so much more to it than that. It's like, you know, we focus on food and it's like, okay, well, food is what got us into trouble. So focusing on food is not going to get us out of trouble. And yet that's what we do. We have this diet mentality. We focus on the food and what, what food triggers does. And what I'm trying to communicate with people is that that is not what's going to last. 
you know, you may be able to do a diet, quote unquote, and have results, but we're not just after results. Yeah. We're after optimal health long-term because every decision that we're going to make today is either going to set us up for a future where we're thriving and hanging out and going on trips with our great grandkids or sitting in a room feeling sick and ill and not able to get out of bed. You know, that's not the life that I want as a grandmother. Yeah. So we have to have not just the short-term vision of, okay, here's what I'm eating today, but the long-term vision of what are the habits and the mindset things I need to change within me and the spiritual growth that's required of me so that I'm actually living a full and vibrant life. And one of the my favorite verses in relation to this is John 16, 33. It says, he urges us to be of good courage for he has overcome the world. You know, Jesus says, be of good courage. I've overcome the world and the world around us is not going to support our health journey at this point. Yeah. In America, it's more than 80% of us are overweight or obese right now. Wow. It's a staggering statistic. The majority of those people are suffering from preventable chronic disease as a result. We're in a health crisis of epic proportions just because of the nutrition or lack thereof that we're eating. And this is not because of food. It's because of emotional mismanagement and, and improper habits and a culture that is obesogenic and fostering this problem. So that's why it's so important to set our minds on things that are true, to be of good courage, to recognize that Jesus has overcome the world and all of its temptations and all of those things, we are we can be victorious too. We don't have to succumb to that. So the community piece, like you said, Jacqueline, I'm gonna try to like pop in on one of those meetings sometime with your friends. Like I need that. Like yes, let's please speak truth to me. That's beautiful. I'm so glad you do that. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, well, I love what you said earlier as well about the malnourished soul, because I think like you were saying, we try, we didn't get there because of food is what you said, but we try to just start with the food. And so I love just the starting with here that there will be that. Um, and I'm saying here, sorry, I know we're in a podcast, but I'm saying like the head and the heart and being yeah. fed. And so I know um, for you, even as your kids were young, you started off saying, I'm actually going to dive into the word. And so how did that begin to change things for you? Yeah. So emotional hunger originates in our hearts. So feeding our stomachs will always leave us empty. We can't feed our stomachs and expect that our heart is going to be nourished and satisfied. So when back when I was even struggling at, at, with anger in my parenting, that's what I did. Like I went straight to getting back into reading my Bible. I treasured. Okay. I had three little boys at the time, four and under. My husband worked ridiculously long hours and we had just moved to a little small town and I was felt very lonely and isolated, which didn't help matters. And I treasured that like 30 minutes when at one point in the day, all three of the boys were sleeping. And I didn't get very many breaks, like time for myself. And so I would look forward to that little bit of time, like late mid morning. And I would like sit on the couch and just relax or watch Oprah at the time or something like that. And as I finally 
came to this point, a turning point where I had to do something different in my parenting, I realized, Amber, you've got to get back to really getting into God's word. And you also need to specifically look at what does God's word say about anger. And so that's what I did. I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to commit this time to you. Um, I can't wake up super early like I used to do before I had kids. I was really faithful at that. That was not the season I was in. I had babies that did not sleep well through the night. I was not about to get up even earlier in the morning to do that. It just wasn't, you know, working for me. But I could do it at 11 a.m. when they had their morning nap. So I would sit myself in, in my chair and I would just get into God's word. And I would just take one verse at a time if need be and be like, okay, Lord, I'm going to just, I'm going to apply this today. I put it as a you know, little sticky note above the kitchen sink where I would be doing dishes or, you know, on my phone as a lock screen or on my steering wheel and just to meditate and allow that one verse to really marinate in my heart as it related to anger. If I felt like I was snapping at my kids, I would, you know, have a verse about the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. And that would be my prayer. Just these little breath prayers. Okay, Lord, deep breath. I'm going to have a kind tongue right now. And I had to practice that habit of doing something different than what I did before. And that's true in this health journey too. You know, we have to really apply God's word to all of these different areas in our lives very practically. It can be difficult to do that sometimes for us um, on our own. And that's why it's amazing that we have again, community and others to help mentor us that maybe are a little, a few steps ahead of us. So um, that's been a really, really important part of this journey for me in every area of my life is really looking at God's word and not just letting it go in one ear and out the other, but allowing it to take root and actually make it practical in my everyday life. So good. Um, I love that you talked about the season you were in and how like those seasons change for us. Like you said, you used to wake up super early. And I often say to moms, like, I love the early morning time. And um, my kids, thankfully for the most part, are those kids who sleep in. Um, so I'm able to do that. That's great. But I'm trying to still like you right now, Jacqueline. No, no, no I do. That's good. How nice for you. <laughs> the problem is right now we're coming on, we're on week four of like Christmas break holidays. And so we actually need to like hard turn them back into like getting up early enough for school. That's yeah. hopefully going to start next week. Yeah. Um, but so that for the most part has, and I'm all, I also for years was like, I'm a self-proclaimed night owl. Like it's in my DNA all of, like we all, my kids have no problem staying up to midnight. We are just all like, we will shift. So for me, it's been that like very intentional, hard disciplined. I like starting early in the morning, um, in that silence. Otherwise I will feel like I'm going to snap at my kids, but I also really need my sleep as we all do. And so there have been those seasons too, where I've said, like recently I've been sick. So I've been like, I'm sleeping in and then I am going to find prioritize. So what you did is you said, actually, I'm not going to just watch Oprah. Um, and so I think for us today, it would be like, I'm not going to pick up my phone and scroll. It's going right. to take discipline, self-control, which also is from God, right? It hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and self-control. And just really using that to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to just give you, let's just say, I'm going to give you a week. I'm going to trust you for a week. I'm going to open the Bible instead of scrolling. And I think when we can give ourselves that mini goal, because sometimes we feel like 
this is a quick, a quick fix or a quick hit. Let's just say right here, it feels good. Whereas I'm not going to see this fruit of I'm getting into scripture that may feel like it's taking a while to, like you said, permeate. And then you also had those other strategies of the lock screen and the other, like God has made us so creative Mm -hmm. to be able to work in our season and find these ways. Um, Our kids will begin to notice. That's the other thing is they're going to begin to pay attention. There's things we can really invite them into as well. And I know for myself, I was a very angry mom um, until my oldest was about five and God did this deep transformation in my heart. And I remember saying to her, like, I apologized to her and I said, mom mm. was very angry. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm really sorry. Um, we're going to do things differently. And she was also very angry. I said, you and I both actually need to learn how to speak kindly, to apologize, like to not hit, like all of these things, God is changing mom's heart. He's going to be changing your heart. We're going to do this together. Um, it's not very similar to the, any, any of these transformations God's doing, whether it's, we've been on this financial journey, um, a health journey, anger journey, it's a journey, it's a process. Um, the same way, you know, when a woman gets pregnant and, um, has the nine months where you do gain weight. I remember one of the best things someone said to me was it took you nine months to gain this weight. It will take you at least nine months, right? Like don't expect to be in that place. Mm -hmm. Um, so I love all that you shared there. And, And, um, and Jacqueline too, those triggers, you know, each of those triggers, whether it's the parenting or marriage or your food triggers, it is a journey and and every of one of those triggers is not something to be upset about or frustrated by we can actually again here's the mindset shift think of them as opportunities mm. triggers are opportunities for growth that's what they are they're not things for us to become overly emotional about or to become reactionary instead of responding in a pro- proper way in a healthy manner they're really opportunities. So that frees us up from just the stress and the burden of like, oh my gosh, my life, I, I can't cope. What's going on? It's like, no, those, those are opportunities for you to grow. And you can do this because there nothing is impossible with God. And let's remember his promises. And that goes back to your point, Jacqueline, like we've got to be rooted in God's word. So good. Um, I have also encouraged women um, because you can have the Bible read to you now on the YouVersion Bible app. That is such a great option too. Like you're getting ready in the morning, get that thing going. And it's amazing how it's just about really getting, getting the word in. And, you know, God is honestly, he is going to, he's going to plant that in you and it's going to come out in other ways. Like it's, um, it's those seeds you want planted because the, you will begin to bear that fruit. Um, so I love that. Um, I'm just looking through all my questions here because there's so much I want to ask. Okay. Um, you have also talked about this idea of sabotage. And so we talked about the benefit of community, but I think one of the things that can also happen because of just the nature of who we are being in community with people, we often are bringing food. Um, we talk about food. We have Everybody has their own idea of what is healthy or how you should eat. Unpack the idea of sabotaging just a little bit. 
Yeah, so there's a couple things in there. The community piece is like it's all, I talk about that in Food Triggers too, like when community means food. And then there's also this piece of sabotage that sometimes others will sabotage us or we sabotage ourselves. So to combine those two, one way we do that is we show up at a community event um, without a preparation in place, right? To make sure that we can be successful even in community where others may not be honoring the same choices that we would be making. And we do this often under the guise of wanting to be polite, right? Like we're so polite that we don't want to say no to, you know, grandma Betty's apple pie or our best friend, you know, Jacqueline's um, fudge at Christmas time. You know, we don't want to turn that down and offend people. And yet we're not being polite to ourselves and our own commitments when we sabotage ourselves in that way. And so we kind of, again, this is about really being more mindful across the board, being mindful about our reactions with our family, being mindful about what we're eating and what our goals are and, and what things we're going to do to support that environment. So we go to a party or an event not hungry, first of all, you know, we eat something healthy before we go. And in general, just taking off the whole thought that every event, even things that relate to, you know, church, it's like the donuts and the dessert and the cookie exchange. And it's like, you know, okay, so if we know that's the environment, then we need to plan ahead, make sure that we're not, you know, in a place of vulnerability when we go because we're, we're hungry. But then also to stop fixating on the food. So often it's the food that is the focus, not the fellowship. We want the fellowship to be the focus, not the food. And so when we go, it's like I make a plan. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to introduce myself to three new people and I'm going to try to breathe life into two at least two of them just to be there to be a light and an encouragement to somebody else. And it's kind of like this game, like, okay, God, who do you want me to bless today? Who do you want me to meet at that event? Because I don't believe in chance or accidents. You know, you're intentional about putting me in that environment. So I'm going to look for a way to bless others. I'm going to enjoy the environment. I'm going to look for a way to serve the host or whoever is there to put this event on. How can I bless you? If I'm in the kitchen washing up with dishes, I'm not hanging out by the buffet, more tempted to eat the things that everybody brought for this potluck, right? So it's really about, again, being intentional to make put a plan in place before you go. And in general, for, for us to stop putting such emphasis on the food in the first place. Mm -hmm. So therefore, we're not sabotaging ourselves or even being sabotaged unaware because there's all of these things here. And take something that you can eat that is on your particular plan that will be healthy for you. Offer and advocate for yourself. It's not impolite to advocate for yourself. It's okay to say to your mother-in-law, you know what? I'm on a health journey. This is important to me. And so there are lots of things I get to enjoy. This is one of them. Could I bring this? As opposed to, I can't have all those things you're going to break, you know, make. I can't have that. I can't, I'm not eating that. I'm not eating that. It's like, these are things I can have. This is what I'm eating. And can I bring this? And, you know, hopefully the people in our lives that we're in community with are going to be supportive of that. If they're not, then we have some other issues perhaps to address and talk through and overcome. And even that is an opportunity for growth. So that has been my experience, whether it has been myself or people close to me, when they make a choice that goes against the group, they will be made fun of. 
Like that has just seemed to be um, the norm. Um, and so can you unpack that a little bit? Because I think that's, yep. that is unexpected because you can be doing this thing where you feel like I've decided I am, I am going to be changing things. Like I'm making healthy choices and you're doing it on your own. And then all of a sudden you're with your extended family or with your friend group. And instead of receiving support, you actually find people are, they're making fun of you yeah. and they're mocking you in this. So I'm sure that's very common. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. So can you unpack that? It is. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, life is such that we hope that the people that are close to us and that we value will value us and they will be supportive of us. But sometimes our growth does not um, become for those people something with which to be supportive of or to compliment. Instead, it becomes a reflection of where they're falling short and they start to feel conviction themselves. And so their impulse is to reject it, to put it down, to laugh about it. And they may not even realize it. A lot of times this is subconscious. They're not trying to hurt you, but often, you know, our good example becomes a reflection and they don't see a good example when they look at that reflection. They see that they're being left behind. They're not growing. They're not improving themselves. And so what what I would really encourage us all to do is to just look at those people with empathy and compassion. Instead of allowing ourselves to have a victim mentality, we get to have a gratitude and compassion mentality. God, thank you that I am moving in a right direction. Help me to continue to be a light. And honestly, there are some situations I've heard with clients where extended family or quote unquote friends have gone out of their way to be exceedingly hurtful and discouraging. And we don't want to drop people like hot potatoes. But if there are things in your environment that are not supportive of your journey, it's time to do some new things. And that might mean surrounding yourselves with different people, which is why I suggested earlier the importance of community and being in a community that's like-minded with you. If you watch football on Sundays and all of your buddies are beer drinking, chip eating buddies, and that's harming your health and actually setting you up to shorten your life, maybe time to get some new friends and some new habits. And that doesn't mean that we we reject people, never speak to them again, but we no longer put ourselves in the environments that are not supportive of our health journey until we can be perhaps back in that situation, not be so vulnerable. And communication is important. You know, understanding, you know, our own part in asking for help and understanding is important. But let's not allow other people's um, opinions or judgments to stop us from doing what we know is right and good. And I'll tell you, Jacqueline, uh, I could introduce you to a lot of people who poo-pooed, you know, me being vulnerable about this journey and weren't sure about it, rejected it, questioned it, who come around eventually and say, okay, I I want your help. Help me out. Mm -hmm. And I welcome that. There's no bitterness on my part. There's no judgment. I'm just really glad that they came to a place now where they are ready to get healthy with me. So good. Uh, One of the things that I have been thinking about 
especially over the last um, year, I would say, as I would say, this has been a really tough year on relationships in general, uh, as people have had so many strong opinions, um, is just to gracefully allow people to, um, I don't, I don't necessarily want to say leave, but, um, but just gracefully allow relationships to change. And I think relationships do naturally change in our lives anyways, as they you do. know, we have our friends in high school and then friends at this job. And some of them are very circumstantial. And um, I posted recently just sharing about how, you know, there are some relationships we really do need to fight for. And there's some where we really do need to offer um, grace without trying to change people, right? I think we can go into the environment too. Some of the reason people can get upset with us is because we come in going, this is the way to go. I've changed my life. You need to do it too. And so, um, you know, as we shared at the top of the show, we are so excited about this freedom. We want everybody to have it, whether they want it or not. Right. And so I've realized yep. <laughs> you know, living your life and having that be the change will be this thing that draws people in because they'll say, right. oh, I can see you're actually very free over here in these areas. Yes. I want that. So they will start coming, um, but being That's able right. to gracefully right. let them go. Um, and like you said, viewing people with compassion. And I think that's been part of it is realizing that um, the mirror, when people say, ooh, we used to be, it, it's so great to be stuck in a place with somebody else. But when they get out of that place and you still feel stuck, that feels awful. And so really what they're feeling that's is right. um, just this sense of like, oh, I actually don't like the place that I am stuck. And so yes. when we can just view them with compassion and say, like, I'm, I'm not going to let your stuckness keep me down here because right. we can actually think it is the best thing to do is to go sit back down and get stuck with, you know what, it's unkind to move on with my life without, but keep going and say like, I'm, I'm going to keep moving forward. If you want to join me, on this journey, whether it is health journey or whatever it might be, um, I'm welcome to have you. And so I think really yes. gracefully um, letting relationships go, I think enables us to gracefully allow them back in later on when people are ready. Um, totally. But too, too often mm -hmm. in this season, I think people are just, it's that cancel culture. It's like, well, you're out of here. Yeah. And it makes it very hard right. to uh, yeah. re-engage. It actually really starts to hurt our own heart which again, yes. will have more of that um, negative ripple effect. You're absolutely right. It is, it is a allowing people to make their own choices, communicating well, not just canceling people, having that compassion, and then always being open. I, I, there's nobody that I, I wouldn't love to run with me on this health journey. I don't care what they've said, <laughs> you know, in the past, they are welcome to join this process with me. And it is that open heartedness that's going to make all the difference. So good. Well, my last question for you is I just want to find out a little bit more about kind of your daily habits and routine that you find life-giving. Um, you shared from years ago where you started exchanging the Oprah time for time with your Bible. Uh, what are other things that you do in your day that are kind of those like, I'm going to do this no matter what, that makes a, a big difference in your life? 
Excellent question. So I wake up always an hour and a half or so before my kids, because while I am, I've become more of a morning person, I do cherish that time where the house is kind of peaceful. Because remember, testosterone, home, uh, lots of noise, <laughs> lots of activity. So I need that like hour and a half before the kids are up to have my coffee, have my first bit of you know, a couple glasses of water because hydration is important for your health um, and to have my Bible reading time um, or, and even just to answer emails and get some things done and then also to organize my school day. So I spend that hour and a half. It moves pretty fluidly. And then I start getting the kids schoolwork ready because I homeschool them. And we have an area where I teach and they do a lot of independent work as well, but I get that all ordered and organized for them. And then as they wake up, like I'm very scheduled, even though I'm, you know, meeting with clients, um, you know, all my, all my coaching, my health coaching is actually free, but so I'm, but I am setting appointments with clients to talk them through and work with them and encourage them. And so I'm very scheduled that I have those appointments outside of school hours. So every day looks a little bit different. But throughout the day, I'm eating every two to three hours. So I eat within that first hour of waking up as well. I have a nutritious breakfast. I eat every two to three hours to stabilize my metabolism and my blood sugar. Because let me tell you, before I started this program, my schedule looked fairly similar, but I would not eat. I'd have coffee and that was it until like noon. And then I would pick food off my kids' plates and not really prepare plan a healthy lunch for myself. And then I would be famished by dinner time. So then my portion control was in the tank. And then of course, we already know about my ice cream habit after the kids went to bed. So I'm very faithful now to eat every two to three hours, smaller, more nutritious meals, because that also impacts our mood swings, right? So yeah, the Holy Spirit's going to help you with your mood, but so is your blood sugar. So we need to make sure that we're fueling our body properly throughout the day and not neglecting that. That's going to help you spiritually too. Okay. So I am eating every two to three hours. I, I have water bottles out and about everywhere in the homeschool room, um, right here by my desk. You know, I've got multiple water bottles everywhere. And every time I see one, I take some sips because we need eight, eight ounce glasses of water as a minimum every day. Our bodies don't store water. Water. So if you're not getting enough, you're actually circulating dirty water through your organs. That's gross. <laughs> we don't want to do that. So I am in the habit of that all throughout the day, drinking water. And I plan very intentionally um, in, the, in the afternoons, in the evenings to block off time where I'm intentional to do something fun with my kids um, or just something engaging, right? It's really about engagement with them, not just hanging out, but being an intentional mom, um, today we're doing a Lego, you know, or I have a craft set up or we're going to go do an obstacle course in the backyard. One of the things before I got healthy that I longed to do, my kids always wanted me in the afternoon after school when it was warm enough to jump in the trampoline with them. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not going anywhere near that trampoline. I'll be right here watching you. And now I'm in the trampoline every day with my kids, which is so much more fun. So, you know, I'm doing something along those lines. And then the typical, you know making plans for dinner. Again, meal planning became something I had to become better at so that I wasn't in a pinch. Oh, let's just order pizza, right? Like, no, there's always healthy options available for the week ahead. And then I am disciplined, Jacqueline, to put myself to bed. I read before I go to bed. 
I listen to audiobooks throughout the day when I'm doing chores and things like that. I'm very much about um, learning from others and other mentors and other authors. That's a blessing in my life. But I read before I go to bed and I put myself to bed so that I protect at least seven hours of sleep every night. And that's kind of my routine. It looks a little different every day, but having that habit and that routine and that structure allows us to really, again, have a handle on our life instead of feeling like life has that chokehold on us. So good. Um, one of my favorite sayings is that discipline creates desire because I find that none of those things are necessarily what I desire naturally, but after a while I will. So if I am disciplining myself to go to bed early, I think that really is the key. There's usually a keystone habit, like something that's going to help. Um, and it's that getting the sleep um, after a while we will begin to desire it and that you've even created that space, um, where you're reading a book or you're doing something, I think that is inviting you into that space where you're like, I'm excited to do this. Um, yes. the other word that you used or the other thing I saw in there was planning. And I think planning really to set yourself up for success, both with the, um, I like to have meals or things that I've prepared in the freezer or things that can be like my own personal fast food that are not, it's easy for me, but it's not um, going to be necessarily junky. Now it doesn't, not to say that we don't ever have a frozen pizza or things like that. Right. Um, right. We are all going to get in a pinch, but yeah. the more we can set ourselves up for success to have grace when we need it, I think. Um, for sure. Please make turkey taco meat. If you like, you know, yep. that kind of thing and have it as a salad one night, but then make it into an egg white omelet. Mm -hmm. I love having just that, that omelet is a simple, quick meal. Yeah. I make a big batch of that turkey taco meat. I put it in the freezer, just like you said, Jacqueline, it defrosts really quickly. And I can just whip that into tacos for the kids, taco salad for me, an omelet, you know, whatever. Yeah. And it's quick and easy. That's like one of my go-to things, but planning those kinds of meals, being prepared makes all the difference for so sure. Good. So woman after my own heart. Um, okay. I do have one last question. Do you have a coach like someone who is coaching you? Cause you are pouring out to all these women. I'd love to know. I've never been asked that Jacqueline. That's a good question. Um, I do. I have, I have a mentor and um, within the company that I coach with, we kind of have a system of mentors and, but really what's amazing about it is we don't really think of ourselves as just mentoring someone below us. We really are a team that we, we work together because our mission really is to globally improve the health, you know, of the, of the world. Right now, more people are dying because of poor nutrition, as in they're obese or overweight, as opposed to being underfed. And so this is a shift. It used to be that we were worried about world hunger. And now the opposite is true. We're much more concerned about the impact of the food that we're eating is actually causing us to be obese or overweight and leading to a lot of disease and cutting our lives short. So in order for us to, you know, really address this global issue, we need a lot of mentors. We need a lot of community to help us turn the tide in that way. And so um, in a program in my health coaching, um, we have actually a daily uh, Zoom that we do, one in the morning and one in the evening for all of our clients and all of us as coaches. And we just breathe life into people. It's quick. It's 15 minutes. Um, we give them something practical that they can do that day for their health journey. 
Um, we practice some de-stressing. Again, emotional mismanagement is usually the issue. And so we practice how to do that well. We breathe life into people. We celebrate our victories. It's just life-changing to be a part of that. And so that's kind of my biggest mentoring right there is just being with the community of all of us together and helping and encouraging each other um, in that way. But yes, my and honestly, I came on this program because my friend Tammy that I had met at a mom's group at our church when my oldest was a baby, I just started watching her shrink <laughs> online. And I watched her for like eight months. And finally, I said, Tammy, what are you doing? And she said, I, I changed my lifestyle. And I said, I need to do that too. And she was the first one to help me and say, okay, let's, let me, let me journey with you. And now I'm paying that forward and helping others do the same. So good. Well, I really hope people pick up your book, Food Triggers, Exchanging Unhealthy Patterns for God Honoring Habits, because you really do get into so many of the external things, um, things like the holidays, um, and things like going on vacation and then internal things like stress and just things that we all um, deal with. And you do a great job of storytelling, um, encouraging people, but also um, that it's that beautiful coaching balance of like, I'm going to encourage you and I'm also going to kick you in the butt a little bit. Like just that. Yes. <laughs> so we need yeah. that. Um, yeah. So actually Amber can be your virtual coach through her book. Um, which is a great That's place right. to start. And, um, and then if you are in the States, you can also reach out to her um, to be coached by her more personally. Um, mm -hmm. So Amber, thank you so much for sharing with us today. And um, where else can people find you? Thank you so much, Jacqueline. You are an amazing uh, woman and interviewer and your audience is very blessed to listen to you. I hope they keep keep plugging along with you and leave amazing reviews because um, what you're doing and giving people hope over and over again in so many topics and areas is just a gift and a blessing, truly. So uh, people can find me uh, on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, and my website. It's Amber Leah. My last name is spelled L-I-A. And if you go to amberlea.com, they can actually fill out a free three-minute wellness discovery form and I can get back to them and kind of go over that with them and help guide them in the right direction. My books are available anywhere books are sold. And I love connecting with people. It just is you know, breath in my lungs to be able to encourage others and to journey together. And so I'm just delighted when people connect with me and follow me and we get to do life together. So awesome. I look forward to doing that more. Thank you so much, Amber. I'm sure many people are going to go check it out and check out your book when we're done here. I will link all that stuff in the show notes. And I trust this has helped you move one step closer to thriving. Can I just say thank you for listening? This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not going to ask you to rate the show or subscribe, but I am going to ask if while you were listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, I think they could use this encouragement. Can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right and I click there to share. Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something, but when someone shares something with me, I am never bothered. Often it is the exact 
thing I needed to hear. So if someone popped into your mind, click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.